Hello, and welcome to More is Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast. In today's episode, we're talking about the Betty Ann classic story, The Tale of the Nightly Neighbors. So grab some popcorn, your favorite drink, and let's get ready to reminisce. Hello, listeners, and once again, this is more as Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast. This is episode number nine. Wow, can you believe it? We're plowing through season one. This marks the ninth podcast, and that means only five more episodes are left for the podcast. Well, for the first season. Tonight's tale is our second Betty Ann story. It's about a new family that moves to the neighborhood, and they might be vampires. We don't know. Only time will tell. So let's sit back and discuss the tale of the nightly neighbors. This episode originally aired on October 10th, 1992. I remember this episode very well, as it intrigued me. The episode starts with Kristen asking the group, minus Betty Ann, who was running late, I guess nobody wanted to wait for her. Why are we always telling scary stories at night? If they are scary, they should be just as scary during the daylight, right? I'm guessing that Kristen wants to fill her nights with other activities, so much to Gary's delight. Gary says, no way. Things are always scarier at night. Gary knows what he's talking about. Kristen presses him for answers. David says, because you can't see things at night. David, you can. It is called night vision. Just then, Kiki sneaks up on David and says, yeah, like some ghoul could sneak up on you in the dark and you wouldn't know until it's too late. She looks very pleased with herself. Overdoing it much, Kiki? I had a photo here and the caption said one of Kiki's famous sneak up on you massages just because of the reaction david gave her it was quite hilarious also this show is pre uh phasmophobia a game which i really enjoy playing i highly recommend it if you're into ghost hunting or if you like horror games i wouldn't classify it as a horror i would classify it more as a thriller game but that's beside the point so let's get back to the episode shall we eric agrees and frank who doesn't care about the current topic asks who's going tonight Betty Ann, our mistress of ceremonies, replies, I am. That is code for thanks for waiting for me, jerks. What if I got kidnapped? Eric becomes a complete douchebag and says, oh man, to which Betty Ann replies, what's the matter? That is right, our girl Betty Ann is channeling her inner Bronx. Eric says, you always tell the same kind of story. It's kind of gross, and everyone lives happily ever after. Boring. Seriously, Eric? Were you asleep during the nightmare fuel that was laughing in the dark? Although I guess to be fair, one could argue laughing in the dark does have a happy ending, because nobody died, and once Ziba got his nose back, he left the kid alone. So, I guess, you know, call a spade what it is, a spade. Frank, on the other hand, sticks up for Betty Ann, and says to Eric, So what? You're kind of gross and boring, too. Kiki laughs and agrees with Frank. I want to know at what point Kiki would be willing to pound Eric. 
on Betty Ann's behalf. I mean, the girl gets treated like shit and no one waited for her. But Betty Ann, the ever-optimist, brushes it off and says, Things are scarier at night, especially in my story. You can be scared during the day, but don't bother because the real terror never begins until nightfall. The group just kind of looks at each other like, Oh shit, we really screwed up this time, didn't we? Betty Ann then takes her seat and submits her story for everyone but Eric. Finally, someone invoked the claws. She throws the midnight dust into the fire and says, Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story The Tale of the Nightly Neighbors. I have written in my notes um, from the blog, I wonder if Betty Ann was coming from a flood as she, for whatever reason, rolled up her pant legs. I will give her credit for dressing almost completely in denim. I'm not sure why I made a comment like that. But getting right into the story... The story begins with Day-Day watching some generic horror movie. Day-Day's sister Emma sneaks up on him and then dumps the popcorn bowl on his head. Emma calls Day-Day some choice names and tells him he's a zero. She tells him that a lot is going on and she isn't going to miss it. Then she notices new neighbors moving in, to which Day-Day says, At night? I've seen lots of neighbors move away during the night, so I have to assume they are moving in at night. The next day, they go and try to introduce themselves. They run into an overly friendly delivery driver. He tells them the new neighbor's last name is Braun and that they are from the Ukraine. Even after telling them that they come from the Ukraine, he calls it Russia. And Russia and Ukraine are two separate countries. They were two separate countries when this was filmed, so there's no reason for him to call it Russia right after saying Ukraine. I also want to point out that this was before, like, you could get your identity stolen on the internet because this was 1992 and the internet wasn't really a thing back then. But I guess people got their identity stolen by delivery drivers like this who overshare information. Anyways, he tells them that the bronze ordered two refrigerators before they left the Ukraine. And quite frankly, I hope this guy got fired from his job because in the span of two minutes, he told the neighbors where the new people were from. Ukraine, and he told them what their name was and practically showed them the order form, which should be illegal right there. But who knows if he got fired. He proceeds to share even more information by telling the kids that the order says to leave the crates in the driveway if no one answers. So he does just that. Emma, who is a spy in training, sees the bronze car in the garage. Emma thinks the bronze are KGB agents who had to run away after the collapse of the Soviet Union or gypsies searching for a new home. This show was aired right after the ending of the Cold War, hence the whole KGB spy. So Dede and Emma decide to go back home, and apparently by back home, around the block a couple times, because before they know it, they run into the mailman, Mr. Mitchell. Their mom is kind of a klutz, and since she's in a hurry, she runs into Mr. Mitchell because she's running late. He mentions that he is sick and as weak as a kitten. But it has been, in my experience, that kittens are quite strong. Emma asks if he has met the new neighbors yet, and he says, yeah, 
i'll never forget it she assumes they are weird to which mr mitchell says it was the night i started getting sick and then he kind of like rubs his neck and there's like a huge patch band-aid on his neck so they're really putting an emphasis on these people might be vampires because they may have bit the mailman's neck at this point in the story we are brought back to the campfire where betty ann tells us that emma started paying close attention to the bronze part of me wonders if she spies on her neighbors i guess she does betty ann goes on to say emma watched them every chance she got and the more she watched the more she realized the new neighbors were just a little bit strange they didn't talk to anyone and no one ever saw them during the day only at night even their kid lex was never seen during the day so in other words she's stalking them we then briefly go back to the story lex approaches emma and asks her can i come in and play this scares emma and emma replies it's kind of late he approached emma when she was taking out the garbage at night but now we are once again taken back to the campfire where betty ann informs us lex never started school and no one had ever heard of him and the strange disease that hit mr mitchell was spreading through the neighborhood like crazy people were losing their energy must have been the coffee shortage of 1992 it was like an epidemic going around but no one knew what it was and it started the same night the bronze moved in things seemed very strange indeed emma had a great imagination but this was a little weird even for her i wonder if betty ann is talking about herself then one night all the pieces of the puzzle came together emma had a dream that mr braun is a vampire and he floats through her window to bite her neck emma screams and wakes up she is now convinced that it must be true she goes and wakes up day day she tells day day that the bronze are vampires because they are from brovno ukraine which is in the middle of a bunch of eastern european places like transylvania i would like to point out transylvania is not actually a country but a city in romania betty ann should pay closer attention in geography class emma tells day day they must kill the neighbors since they are vampires she plans to break into the basement that night and find their coffins emma also has like a supply of um steaks and it's quite interesting like maybe she's been planning she would have to take out a family of vampires at some point of her life we are now treated to another break from the midnight society they are taking a juice break eric cockley says she is going to go into a vampire's basement at night adios emma david is quick to say but they might not be vampires maybe this incident happened to him and his family kristen says then why are all those people getting sick kristen passes on taking the juice for some reason kiki points out the obvious and says yeah like blood being sucked from their necks i love it and this right here is why kiki and betty ann are besties kiki forgets that the juice is being passed around and drinks directly out of the thermos david asks what happened betty ann tells them emma didn't know for sure if they were vampires so she had to investigate dramatic pause and that night she did something tells me that in this story emma equals betty ann and this is her confessing to snooping on her new neighbors so we cut back to the story where emma's hanging up garlic around the house she tells dayday not to invite the bronze inside emma sneaks into the bronze basement but surprise surprise the bronze are visiting dayday dayday and emma's mother let the vampires in the house 
the mom is all, hello, come in, come in. She looks at Daddy like he is nuts. There is a guest appearance of Mickey Mouse in the bronze's basement. The bronze tell Dede and his mother they are studying American paramedics to bring back home. Dede's mom gives them an open invitation to come by any time. She also openly flirts with Mr. Braun, the hot Eastern European next door. After the bronze leave, Dede sneaks into the basement to tell Emma that the bronze are on their way back home, but Emma needs to see why the refrigerator is locked. Emma decides to pick the lock, and when she opens the lock, she finds blood. Also, she forgets to put the lock back on the refrigerator. Emma is convinced the bronze have picked them as the next victims, and she thinks they are the only ones who can stop them. So Emma comes up with a plan. She's going to kill the neighbors after school before dark. I have to say, Betty Ann is going all out. Emma, for some reason, has crosses and wooden stakes just lying around the house. Emma tells Day Day, if they do not act now, they could be coming for them tonight. The two sneak back into the basement, only to hide under a table when Mrs. Braun comes down into the basement. She sees them, but does not care. The kids leave the basement and run into Mr. and Mrs. Braun outside. They claim that their schedule has changed and that the hospital has a surplus of blood. That is why they are storing so much blood. Then Mrs. Braun asks Dede if Lux might come over tonight to play video games. He says yes. The kids are satisfied with this answer and decide to go back home. Then the Brauns go back into their basement with their vials of blood and we see them. Mr. Braun asks his wife if the kids were in the basement. She says yes, but it's okay because tonight they are going to strike. They then go over to wake up Lex, who is asleep in a coffin and um, is a vampire, and to tell him he has been invited to Dede's house. They also compliment him on his choice of coming to the country, since there is so much fresh blood. And if you actually want to know what they say, Mrs. Braun says, Wake up, master. The night is just beginning, and you've been invited to Dede's house. Well, something to that effect, but she said master. Dede teases Emma about being wrong, but she wasn't. They both leave and go home. Betty Ann ends the story by saying, With ghosts and ghouls there are no rules, but a vampire's bite only comes at night. The end. The look on the rest of the faces is that of, oh shit. Gary declares the meeting over, and they pour the juice over the campfire to put it out. So circling back to the story, the reason it's important that Mrs. Braun calls Lex master is because they aren't his parents, they are his vampire slaves. And that's an important thing to note because he controls them, not the other way around. Mr. Braun, if memory serves me correctly, also mentions that nobody suspects the little boy is a vampire, and that's how they're getting away with hitting all these houses up. This is also one of the only stories that all of the members of the Midnight Society put out the fire. And it's also the first time that they put the fire out with something other than water. And now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, Maura's Thoughts.
So listeners, we've come to the part of the podcast where I give my thoughts and feelings about the episode. My first thought is Betty Ann went all out for this story, and I really enjoyed that. Most of the time, it's very light on the action. But in this episode, we had two of the main characters straight up trying to murder the neighbors on a hunch that they might be vampires. I mean, the hunch was correct. They were vampires, but still... In what other episode do we see people actually try to kill people? Never. My second thought was, I'm glad they started with the snack rotation. I want to say it was Kristen this week because I think that was her thermos and I think uh, she's the one who pulled it out of her backpack, but I'm not sure. Also, I want to point out this was pre-COVID because this was 1992. And if Kiki were to take a sip out of the thermos these days, Uh, there's a big chance that her friends would, you know, probably not enjoy that because then they wouldn't be able to drink it because she'd be passing her germs on to them. My third thought was that they were kind of mean to Betty Ann and someone should have stood up for her other than Frank because Eric, you know, he doesn't tell anything better. In fact, Eric only tells two stories in the short time he's showing on the TV. I will give him, though, the tale of the dark music is pretty scary. However, the only other story he told was a really weird sympathy story because his grandfather died and had to do with leprechauns. It was pretty lame. My fourth thought was I liked how Betty Ann narrated this story. Um, For me personally, I really enjoy the stories that cut back to the Midnight Society halfway through. So I enjoyed the fact that we didn't just get one cutaway to the Midnight Society. We had like three of them. And each time it was there to fill in the readers, not the readers, the viewers and the listeners, so the Midnight Society, on exactly what was going on. Because there were some gaps that didn't make a lot of sense. So Betty Ann came back and was like, this is what's happening. This is why it's happening. And... I think that's excellent narration. But, you know, as I've said, each time that this happens where it cuts back to the Midnight Society, I just incredibly love it because they are what makes the show. So I enjoy seeing a little bit more of Midnight Society time at the end, in the middle, at the beginning, because they are what ties the whole show together. My fifth thought was I learned a lot about vampires and used this episode to educate people on vampires. I used it to help with training a co-worker of mine. No, we are not vampires, but I was an RA, and we have similar rules um, in that we need to be invited into a room before entering. And, um, you know, I just, I thought it was very interesting that in order for a vampire to go to a house, they had to be invited. In order for an RA to enter a room, we have to be invited or have probable cause to go in. So I like the fact that this episode was actually very accurate in its vampire lore. In fact, if you really like learning about vampires, I I recommend the mockumentary What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, What We Do in the Shadows is kind of like the TV show The Real World, in a sense, because it follows a group of vampires who are roommates and their exploits um, living in New Zealand. It's a hilarious movie, and I cannot recommend it enough. So those were my thoughts after watching this episode. You know, what did all of you think? Have you seen it? As a reminder, the podcast is a supplemental commentary, if you will, for the blog. So if you want the pictures and a more in-depth view of the episode, I highly recommend checking out my blog, More is Afraid of the Dark, but not really. It's on podcast for this specific episode. You can even Google More is Afraid of the Dark, Tale of the Nightly Neighbors, and it should come up. And if not, on the side menu, you can even hit 
um, season one, and it'll show up within the season one, along with all the other season one episodes and the season one podcasts. And while you're listening to this podcast, I'm not sure which platform you're listening on, but I am now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Plus Alexa, and... Podbean, which is where the podcast is actually hosted. And as always, I'm looking for ways to improve the podcast. So if you have any feedback or if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, reach out to me through the contact me page on the blog and we can see if we can make something happen. Maybe you have a request for something that isn't Are You Afraid of the Dark that you would like me to do a podcast on. I'm open to that. I've recently finished um, what was on Netflix the series creeped out and I've been debating about talking about that because it's a very good series that's kind of along the same lines but now it's time to wrap things up if you want to look for me on the internet you can find me on twitter my twitter handle is at m-o-i-r-a underscore 32984 and you can always get a hold of me by going to the contact me page on the blog. However, I barely check that email. So if you're going to do that, it's actually a lot quicker and faster to just send me a DM on Twitter or at me on Twitter because I'll see it right away and I can respond a lot faster. And I almost forgot to end with our fun fact. Our fun fact for this episode is Carl Alecky, who played Mr. Braun, would come back next season for Frank's anniversary episode, The Tale of the Full Moon, and he plays another creature, a werewolf. Anyways, listeners, join me next time for our final Betty Ann story of season one. It's a story about an evil sorcerer. That's right, it's The Tale of the Sorcerer's Apprentice. So until next time, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this podcast The Tale of More is Afraid of the Dark, Episode 9, Closed.